at dissatisfaction with the question and uh, with the grading, or I think it was SA3. Uh, uh, this has been done by the assistants. I will look into the matters uh, before giving the final grade for the course. If there have been some mistakes from our side, we will correct them, of course. Uh, so, uh, I have gotten quite a lot of mail uh, related to grading for the exercise, during which you can come personally, look at your answers, look at our grading, and discuss the grading of your exercises. So the, the date for this will be announced. So please. All right. Okay, I'm I'm getting some static noise. Okay. Uh, here. Is it better? Okay. Okay, so uh, don't worry. The points you have gotten aren't final yet. If we have made systematic mistakes, we will do our best to correct them. Uh, if you are unsure about whether you're being correctly graded or not, please come to the complaint session and look at your grading. We are unfortunately unable to, during the course, personally respond to uh, different kinds of requests for the grading of the exercise. Uh, anything else, Villa, I should mention about the practical matters? Okay, so uh, you've used the discussion forum as well. You may have probably noticed that after the beginning of the course, we haven't really answered that much to the uh, questions or discussion, but that's uh, uh, only because uh, we have limited time to uh, use for management of this course and the practical uh, day-to-day -day matters of this course and answering to emails are uh, considered more important than the form. So after we get uh, possibly those done, uh, we'll try to get, or at least I'll, I'll try to get the forms and see if I can give some replies. Okay. Good. Any questions about the practicalities or exercises? Okay. If not, let's go to the topic of today, that is software measurement. So, um, what are we going to talk about today? First of all, uh, we're going to talk about why, why to measure, what measurement is all about. Then we're going to look at, uh, in particular, one approach to developing measurement programs in software engineering. Uh, that is the approach called GQM, Goal Question Metrics. We'll briefly mention some other approaches and a bit about measurement tool support, that is, software tools that we can use to help us uh, build new software measurement systems. But before uh, looking into anything else, let's talk about what measurement is when we talk about measurement in software engineering. So here are, uh, first of all, the first one of quite formal definition says that measurement is the process by which numbers or symbols are assigned to attributes of entities in the real world in such a way as to describe them accordingly to clearly defined rules. So essentially this says that we can look at something in the so-called real world. By real world here we mean something that is related to uh, uh, the, the world in which we see and the world in which we develop software. And then we map that onto a mathematical description 
or for, formally map that into uh, some kind of notation. It can be a number, or it can be a symbol. Typical measurement systems also use classifications, which also, according to this uh, definition, on a nominal scale would be considered measurement. So, for example, we classify uh, bugs, for example, into uh, severity degrees. Cosmetic or feature suggestion. This could also be considered measurement. Uh, these kinds of classifications, given uh, that we provide clear rules for how to do the mapping. And now many of you, uh, I deliberately gave this example because many of you might be thinking about, for example, bug reporting. And you know that in most bug reporting systems we have classifications but the rules for how to select the for a bug are typically totally undefined. Is it not bad? Is it cosmetic? Because the rules aren't clearly defined and communicated. What kinds of problems can this lead to? Close to your, you have so smart looking friends here, so discuss with your friends. And you know the definition of friends. If you don't, if you find that you have no friends, you need to move. What kinds of problems do uh, situations in which we don't have clearly defined rules for how to do mapping of this kind? And why is that possibly a bad thing? All right, let's hear some opinions. Now, tell me, what, why might it lead to problems? Or what kind of problems might it lead to that we don't have clearly defined rules for, for example, bug classification? Yep. Um, uh, in a situation where, um, we, uh, for example, uh, uh, analyze or review uh, Priorities might be wrong. So what you're essentially saying is it makes it impossible to interpret the meaning of seven major bugs. Because you must have found five bugs, you determined that all were major. I found 20 bugs, which I determined that only two are major. We had totally different criteria. So it's impossible uh, to aggregate the data because we lose meaning. Okay, and this is a very situation, not only for this, is, I, I gave this example because it's very easy to understand. 
Uh, it makes it impossible to aggregate data, and it makes it impossible to compare data from different data sources. And this is a very severe problem in software development, since in most cases, uh, these rules aren't clearly defined. There are no good industrial standards for measurement systems, meaning that benchmarking, comparing, for example, different projects or different companies with respect to software engineering performance, is in practice more or less impossible. So let's take two companies. We want to compare the quality of their software. How many major bugs, minor bugs do they have? We don't do anything with it because typically uh, the bug numbers are totally impossible to aggregate and compare because the definitions behind how they get these numbers have been so different. So one company, one product have a thousand major bugs. We can even calculate measures like bug uh, detect uh, density like uh, five bugs per thousand lines of code. But since we in the same way we are unable to compare the data. So this, this makes it very, very difficult, typically even within single companies, to compare measurements from different projects, unless they use very clearly and well-defined clear rules. And this is a trap. I'm making a strong point on this, because this is a trap that very many people compare. Is this project better than that project? Is this company better than the other one? And they do the comparison with numbers that are totally uncomparable, because the way these numbers have been derived have differed so much. So this is a very important thing that we have the clearly defined and explicit rules for how to get the measurements. And as you know, I gave the example of microclassifications. That's not always, it's not always. You get to do good, good definitions, good rules for how to do measurements. There are some sources that will help you, and the lack of this is one of the main problems that we have with measurement in software engineering. And I find it good to use this first definition that also includes classification, nominal scale, but only quantitative measurement as part of measurement, because we often end up doing uh, classifications as well. Uh, However, I believe, if we look at the next definition, uh, says that metric is a quantitative measure of the de degree to which a system component or process possesses a given attribute. And then we need, again, to get that quantitative measure, we need to somehow develop the formula, the rules for getting the number out. And we have other uh, other uh, definitions here, but I think the first definition in this slide is the one that you should really take to heart. And in particular, uh, the idea of clearly defined rules for all measures that you take. Okay. Now, find a good friend again and answer the question. Now, in technical, we have mentioned this is a definition of measurement. It's hard. It can be hard to do. Why should we do measurement in software engineering? Why is that interesting? If you don't have any friends, you might talk to yourself. Find a mirror.
All right. Why should we measure? Who's going to go first? And my thought says that we shouldn't, but you need to motivate that as well. Yep. Well, is that a problem? Yeah. In, <laughs> in practice, in many cases, I find that that is exactly what happens. Okay, yeah? But that's a very good point. In order to make informed decisions with respect to almost anything in software engineering, we need some hard data. And making the data hard, again, requires the rules. Good, well-defined measures, yeah? Yeah, uh, I have something to talk about because, um, well, uh, sampling Okay, because people love numbers, because they think they don't have a number. So let's make sure that the numbers we give them are good. Yeah, that's a very good point. So again, it's very important to define your measures well so they mean something. They are meaningful measures. Or ideas why we should measure? To make better decisions. There are also other reasons. I don't know. Yeah. It's important for the company. Why? Okay, to be, to be able to explain projects and again perhaps use that for decision. Yes. Come on, use your creativity. Come up with some more ideas. What can we do with measures? Say, so let's say we have measures. Uh, actually, the last one here is, is also an answer to the question. It makes things visible. We understand. It can help us understand what happens in software development if we get measures out of that. Uh, there is one very important point related to measuring uh, software development that I would like you to discuss. Think a, a bit more about why we could measure or, or why it could be useful, what we could do with measures, in addition to what the source already been said. Yep. Yeah, we can use the data to find things that we need to improve and use the data to improve. Very good. Yes. More? Okay, let me help you a bit on the way. Uh, there are some things that make this particularly interesting uh, uh, in software measurement is the fact that we measure people. Systems of people doing things. Why might that be a particularly interesting? What can we do? Yep. I can replace people. How? Okay, so I can evaluate people. Okay, now we are. This is now we are going exactly into things I'm looking for. Uh, which makes this extremely difficult also, measurement, both politically and, and uh, otherwise sensitive. At some level, yep. Uh, measurement and health effort estimation. 
Measurement can help effort estimation. Again, it goes to improving effort estimation if we even knew how good or how bad we are at estimation and how it's done and who are a good estimator. Exactly, yes. And then we would again be very close to here, replacing people. Now, we, when you say we can measure people are, okay, so what if I say that I give you all a number from 1 to 5, it's your productivity as coder, I measure it on an individual level, you're a 3, you're a 2, you're, you're a 1, you're really bad. <laughs> uh, this typically isn't done on the And th that is because it's politically very difficult. Uh, and you would have all unions probably. But the fact is that the productivity difference So it really makes a difference if I take all of these five the best coders here in my, my small project. Or I get a bunch of you once. But in many organizations, or most organizations, we don't Or if we do, it's being very sensitive. And cannot be used, for example, by managers to make this or hiring or firing. But the fact is that, yes, we have people, we can measure people doing things. It makes it very difficult to measure software and very sensitive, and it can also be very, very powerful. Now, what if I told you before, that all people who have blue shirts will get plus one on their grade? I give you an effort, and I'll give you a goal. How many of you would have had blue shirts? So measurement in combination with the setting of goals, and perhaps even tied to bonuses, can be an extremely effective way of influencing people and controlling and changing the organization. Because measurement is also a way of telling people what we consider important. So let's say that we measure only productivity. Lines of code. We do a floppy definition of lines of code. We put it through some automatic system. Uh, WC minus L. Oh boy, will we have lots of comments in the code in the future. And our productivity will go up enormously. Uh, or our quality might go down enormously because one basic rule when measuring people is what you measure is what you get. If I measure lines per code, and I say that's the most important thing of what will I get lines of code. I will perhaps not get good quality. I might get lots of comments because I forgot to say that I just found comments. And you will all suddenly become enormously productive as measured on uh, lines of code per day or whatever. So, uh, and lines of code per day, you will react to the measures I use. Let's talk more about the difficulties of measuring people a bit later. But yes, there are many, many reasons for measuring. First of all, to create insights, to learn and understand what happens in software projects with respect to the software product. And it can help us identify problems and understand influencing factors. We can use by comparing measured data from the project, for example, with our plans. 
We can use it to evaluate new methods and tools, even set up. It's really going to be much more effective if I pair him with somebody who really can code. Sorry, Lila. Or will that cost me a lot more? Will he be extremely frustrated when he has to deal with that nasty guy doing Try out things. And without good measurement data, uh, it will only be based on my gut feeling, the decision or the understanding is better, worse, I don't know. So measurement is useful also for finding out for real whether a new thing, a new tool is useful. It's important to provide baselines, for example, for productivity at typically high levels. In most software development organizations, when you look at productivity measures, you do it at project levels, not at the individual levels for sensitivity reasons, I mentioned. And finally, it's a mechanism to steer and influence the behavior of people in the organization. And that is extremely difficult. You can influence the behavior. For example, if I measure lines per code, lines of code, I already mentioned problem. There's something called gamesmanship. So uh, if I measure lines of code and do a stupid measure, people will make sure that the measure is more productive. And gamesmanship also means that in many cases you need to validate the data. People will report things to look good. So you might, you in, in particular, when you measure uh, things that can't be automated, automatically measured, uh, your data might be wrong because people want to have the extra bonus. They want to look good so they don't give you honest data. So this makes uh, uh, the use of measures to steer and influence people uh, difficult. Okay, let's, before going to that slide, uh, what can we measure in software development? What could be objects of measurement? What are the big things that we could be interested in measuring? Again, try to find a friend. You can make new ones. You don't feel like it? What, what are the big things we might be interested in measuring? What if we say we have objects and attributes? So what would be the main objects of interest in software engineers? Not their attributes. What would be the main objects we would be interested in measuring? Or main classes of objects. Let's keep it at a fairly high level of abstraction. All right, we've already mentioned several examples, but please help me out here. What are the big things we might be interested in measuring? Yep. How much the user Okay, that's a very specific measure, but it, it would be you, you would be interested in measuring, uh, that's a measure of product quality. So quality and related to the product, yes. That's 
clean by customer complaints. Yep. So products, various aspects of the product. That is, this is the level of abstraction looking for. So uh, if we measure the product, typically we're interested in measures like quality. That is very, very typical. And we might also measure at technical level, performance, whatever. So there are lots of measures uh, that we can uh, do related to the product. What other things than the product would be interesting to measure? Yep. Producing the product or what we often refer to as the process, which an instance of which would be a project. So processes and processes. How long do they take? How productive uh, are a project with respect to the product and so on? Yes, that is uh, uh, that is actually how well the user requirement is product measure. But so now we have product, process. What else? There's one third main category that we often are interested in measuring, which we already mentioned. Mr. K yes. Uh, people, yeah. It's often measured with respect to, you know, good and hard. It's often called, referred to as resources. <laughs> it makes it easier to measure people because then we can forget that they are people. They are just <laughs> But actually, the fact is that we know that by resource we actually refer to, for example, organizations, people, and even machines, of course, hardware, and so on. So it's a big, it's a big class. Things that perform the process or is somehow related to the product or the process. So those are the three categories, main categories that we are typically interested in measuring them or and the relationships and various attributes related to them. For process measures, there is one classification of perspectives, um, high-level attributes, things that we tend to be interested in, in measure, measuring in software engineering. Performance, how good is the process? Typically, process-level measures like uh, this here, performance, typically we look at a bunch of projects and try to average over that to see how good is the process as a whole. So then a project would be considered one instance of measurement data. And then we can see how well do we meet, for example, schedules at a high level uh, and so on. How, uh, how, how good are the product quality over a whole set of processes? Uh, stability, is the process predictable, compliance, uh, this is uh, uh, a difficult one, uh, but uh, the idea here is, do people behave the way they are supposed to? If I say that you need to do code reviews for all uh, pieces of code, do you do code reviews? If, if everybody all does that all the time, then we have a 100% compliance. So this is, uh, you might remember, Juha, it's going to talk about the quality police. So compliance measurement is something that the quality police typically uh, does, and, and that's one way of becoming very popular. Okay, so, but compliance is something that we might be interested in, because if our process is not behaving, uh, our projects are not doing as well as they should, we think they should, then we, of course, need to understand why. And there are, of course, basically two problems. The process is performed well, but it's bad in itself. We have good compliance, but the process has problems. Or the process might be good, but we have bad compliance. So 
we have problems if people don't perform the process, do the jobs the way they should or we think they should. And unfortunately, the most typical situation is uh, we don't know whether the process is good or bad, and we have that process compliance. That is the most typical situation. So we don't know what we should tweak. But uh, the idea with measurement is to try to understand what factors things. We have capability, which is typically measured by models like the capability maturity model. And also we can use that output measures from the process to see how well it produces the things it should. And we can, as mentioned here, we can measure improvements and investments. So if we put that amount of money into something, does it, is it worthwhile to do that? Uh, this is a very, very difficult thing to measure. The cost-benefit ratio of almost whatever. This is the thing that your, all your managers want, and you will want when you are managers. How worthwhile is it to invest X euros in training all project managers to do methodology Y? Could you please give me an answer by tomorrow? The fact is that we have no good models for doing this. Typically, it's fairly easy to calculate the cost of something. The cost is typically... We have direct costs like training costs for the courses, facilities, whatever, and then we have indirect costs like working, work hours, uh, blah, 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 that we need our personnel to put in. But how do we estimate the gain? Do you have any ideas? Let's say Lila here has just, my boss here has just heard that uh, everybody should start doing Ruby on Rails. We've been doing C++ for years, but you think that's the hottest thing we just attended the seminar. And now we should be considering strongly moving all our development to Ruby on Rails. Uh, could I please provide him with a cost-benefit calculation by tomorrow? Now you are me. What do you tell him? You might consult your intelligent consultant friend. And Hilla, you may now play the role of the manager. <laughs> So, this is unfortunately a situation into which you can run, so you need to come up with a good answer. Anyone feel ready to tackle the left on this one? Should we move over to Ruby on Rails? What are the cost-benefit ratio? What is the cost-benefit ratio of doing that? You may ask him questions. All right. Cool. Okay, we'll uh, come here. Okay. Put on your side. <laughs> All right. So, what do you answer? Anyone? Come on, guys. This is an impossible question. We all know that. Yep. <laughs> so, but if you have got an experience on Okay, so what would you suggest?
Okay, so you, you're just doing a pilot. A pilot study, and based upon that, try to understand the possible costs and benefits. That's a very good solution. That is what you, what, what I would consider a wise thing to do. Uh, you might also think about other issues. For example, if you have been doing certain projects in certain languages, uh, there might be technicals that also prohibit you from moving to Ruby or Red. It might not be a good idea, technical. So you should also look into that. Whether that's even feasible, possible, what does it mean from the point of view of your existing uh, libraries, products you have, so on. So you should do a, both a technical evaluation and a, and a process evaluation related to training people and looking at the processes. So the only right answer to me is, hey, are you out of your mind? You know, we need to study this more thoroughly. So if it's a high boss, you say, we need to study this more thoroughly. I should just lead to a pilot and so on. Thank you, Vila, for uh, acting the role of a boss here. You did a good job. <laughs> if, he, if he was a real boss, he did. But I want you to give me the calculation anyway. But tomorrow. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move on. So um, another important issue here is to understand that different people, what we measure, of course, have very different needs. So the things that your, let's say, the product development, software development, high-level managers are interested in are typically aggregated measures at the high process level. How are we doing with all our projects? When we go down, we, we uh, are interested in, at the project level, typically schedules, amount of implemented requirements, current quality, and so on. And when we go down to, let's say, the individual coder level, uh, the coder would be interested in what is the status of the tasks I am doing, what is the status of the modules quality, the tests have, the testers tested the code I developed yesterday. So we, we have different needs for information in software engineering at different levels. So, uh, and this is something that we also need to think of when developing measurement systems is for whom is it being developed? What is the purpose? What are the, need for, what are the needs for uh, information by the people developing software? Let's skip the versus maturity slide and uh, take this one before taking a short break. So, it's good to understand that measurement is also a process. It's a support. You can view it as a support process in software engineering. First of all, uh, we can understand that we need a process called measurement system definition. That, that is, we need somebody needs to think about what to measure and how to measure it and define all that. And what they need to define is the actual process of measurement, which includes data collection. How do we collect the data? Do we want to give every coder a bunch of forms to fill in for everything he does, he or she does? Or can we automate it? Uh, what should we collect? How? How often? For every task, every minute, every build, every day, every week, every month? What is the data we need? Uh, how do we analyze the data? What are the formulas, the clearly defined rules, as I said, on the definition slide? How do we turn these raw data into useful measures that we can use for the various purposes that we have? And how do we interpret that? And then finally, we also need to think about the presentation. How do we show the data? There are uh, 
lots of examples in the world of how we can use charts and graphs to obfuscate data in order to get the decisions we want, not the right decisions. So having good visualization is also very, very crucial. So we need to think about how to collect the data, how to analyze the data, and how to present the data. And this, uh, and then we have the measurement system to uh, make decisions uh, to understand our processes and so on. And what we're going to do after the break is to look at some way, some methodology, the GQM, that can be used to help us define uh, the measurement system. But I think this is a good place for a 13-minute break. Let's continue at 5 past 11. And let's go get some coffee. All right, now let's continue. First, before going into GQM, just briefly, general points about measurement systems, most of which we already talked about, so we'll go through this briefly. Uh, see, the fact is that in software development, we measure people and what people do. It's very important when we uh, start doing measurement to try to create a positive attitude towards measurement. Typically, this is done by uh, involving the people who are actually being measured in the development of the measurement system uh, to make sure they understand how the data is used uh, and to help eliminate resistance to change so, and to get reliable data. So actually the deployment, the taking into use of a measurement system is very, very critical how you do it, in particular if you ask people to start giving you uh, data. Uh, it can be difficult at first to face facts shown by the measurements. Very often we have a situation uh, in which people uh, even might claim flat out that uh, the measures are wrong, I am right. I've seen this very close in an organization in which we developed some measurement systems according to a, a project level measurement system. The project was running high since all modules weren't, weren't well implemented and tested. The project manager claimed, no, I told the developers the measures are, are wrong. Uh, we are doing well. Uh, we did an investigation into it. Unfortunately, the project manager was wrong. The measures were right. We had to, from an iteration, take out almost half of the planned features. Without the measurement system, the project manager would have claimed that we are doing all right. No problems here. We are on track. We'll deliver. But since we had hard measures related to what had been implemented, what had not, and very simple things like how much work it is needed to be left, we, uh, then the organization decided to drop a lot of features from that release, and actually they made that release well on time. But the project manager taking the normal role, he had his, he that his job was to defend the team and, and his project, not face so this is a very typical situation when you start having uh, good data. Because up to that point, it's just a matter of explaining that, yes, we are doing right, the servers are doing a good job, and we have a high product quality, and we're on track. And then a week before shipment, uh, the explanation starts. 
And now, by having measurement systems in place, you will see problems much earlier. But it takes time to get used to measurement and, uh, and facing the facts earlier on. So uh, this is something that it's a, in a way, in organizations that aren't used to measuring at all and have been working very, very informally. Now, it's a big cultural shift to start to have uh, real data, based on which they can make decisions and understand what happens in software development. And those also the agile models, for example, both Scrum and XP use uh, burn-down charts and so on. These are examples of very formal and strict measurement protocols that are useful and can help you understand what happens. Software measurement uh, has lots of problems. We've discussed several of them already, but it's difficult to select good measures and operationalization. That is, uh, when we say we measure product quality, defining the specific rules for what that means in a way that is meaningful and measurable can be difficult. Financial measures, it's difficult to understand the contribution of any particular software development methodology or software development even to profits, and there's a big time delay. Uh, and there are so many other factors that impact the bottom line that it's difficult to say what the uh, effects on the actual software development or product features are uh, to uh, profits, for example. Uh, measuring software products is difficult due to the fact that the cards are intangible, and some measures, in-city measures, are very much debated in the software development researcher. There are several, several uh, measures, or some people like to call them metrics. What I'm not doing during this lecture is listing all me metrics or measures that have been developed. There are thousands of possible measures that you can take in software engineering. If you go to the literature, you can find a lot of papers on this is a good measure, this is something you should use. And what I'm trying to tell you is that you need to take a goal-oriented approach, the GPM approach, to help you select the measures that are meaningful to you. Okay. Measuring process is difficult since people uh, are in the process. We can have resistance uh, for doing that. There can be fear of bad working habits or bad work performance. It can be very difficult or is very difficult to set a norm. A norm means what is acceptable. What is a good productivity level? What is a good quality level? There are no in the industry standards that we can look at. So if we do this, then our quality is better than the industrial average. Uh, and again, due to the fact that making those rules and making the measures comparable uh, is something we are in the very early stages of in software engineering measurements, developing standards like this is more or less useless. If everybody calculates their bugs, number of bugs differently. So asking Microsoft how many bugs they are in comparing that to Sun or whatever, uh, in their major releases is totally useless because they, what they define as bugs is probably totally different. No. Yep. Actually, I think it's not totally because you have used it in marketing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yes. And again, uh, yes, you can use it in marketing, but, but the problem is that the numbers you use in marketing are worthless, uh, except for communication purposes. 
Uh, the problem is you can always, and this is what happens, I've seen, let's take a more, a, a, an example that is very, very close to the normal, uh, a normal software project situation. Uh, one organization I worked with had a major goal to shorten the lead time of the project. They wanted their project to go faster at the high, at the high management level. And they were actually able to do this fairly quickly. They just redefined what was defined as the starting point of the project. So nothing changed in how they worked or in how productive they were, but by changing the definition of a project to exclude uh, the requirements uh, uh, fussy front end when they try to understand what to build, uh, they just went just looking at the a waterfall process, just looking at implementation and testing, made the project much shorter. So very quickly, uh, they achieved the goal of uh, shortening their software development project. So, uh, Always when you measure, unless you have very clear rules, you will get bogus data. So nothing changed, the organization didn't become at all better, but management was satisfied because the software project, software project uh, mean length was shortened drastically in just a year. And you will find issues like this uh, very often. And norm setting is difficult since software projects are unique by definition. We often have poor availability of old data. And since they are unique, it's difficult to compare projects because using analogies require that the projects are, in some well-understood way, analogous to each other. And there's very little useful public data available. But let's look at some of the approaches, in particular GQM, uh, that has been developed in the field of software engineering for helping companies that want to measure uh, develop measures. There are essentially three schools if you wish, uh, for how to go about selecting measures. First, there's a, uh, uh, some people who think that you should just give me a list of a fixed set of measures that everybody should do, and then we can use that. And so we just select from a, a predefined list of, of measures. Uh, then we have second school, which is goal-based. It says that depending on what you intend to do, what is important to your organization and to your measurement programs, that will be the main driver for what you should measure. And then finally, there is what you can call the third school trying to apply basic quality management techniques that have been very, very successful in manufacturing, uh, SPC in particular, statistical process control, to software engineers. Uh, of these schools, the most important and currently dominant one is the goal-based measurement school, saying that, okay, there there are lots of measures that have been developed and even tested in software engineering, but there is no fixed set that all organizations should use for all their software development projects. Instead, you need to think, start from your goals, goals and walk from there towards defining or selecting the measures that you use. And finally, statistical process control uh, has been very little used in software engineering due to the fact that software projects are unique. Statistical process control relies upon processes being statistical control performing uh, with little variation. Most software development processes aren't like that, making the techniques developed in, in SPC more or less useless. Uh, control charts and other tools that have been developed there have been used for certain well-defined processes in certain organizations. In particular, for example, uh, reviews have been uh, in some organizations successfully subjected to statistical process control. Meaning, for example, that if you have a review of a product, if you get 
find more, have more findings or less findings uh, than some certain threshold, then that will trigger an exception and something needs to be done about it. And it's done based upon good data. But they are only points, point-wise successes applying statistical process to con uh, control software engineering. So it's not that an important uh, methodology at least currently. And due to the uniqueness and non-repeatability of much of what happens in software engineering, uh, I'm not sure whether it will become the main approach, at least not any time soon. But let's look at the goal-based measurement approach, and in particular, the most widely used and published method called GQM. Uh, there is more rightly called an approach than a method, uh, because if Ville would do GQM to project A, I would do GQM to project A, we will probably end up with totally different measures. So it's not a repeatable methodology. It's a way of thinking for how to develop measures. So there is a reason for doing goal-oriented measurements, starting with your main goals when developing measures. One of the main reasons uh, that led to the development of goal-oriented measurement was the situation in which lots of data was collected in organizations. Uh, these are, uh, are things that the people who developed GQM saw. Software development tools can collect data. Uh, people say we should measure, so you start getting lots of force. We can measure productivity, how much time is spent, how many bugs are there, how many lines of code are there, blah, blah, blah. We can measure complexity. We have all this measure. Let's measure everything. And the problem is that uh, they, they saw in several companies something they started calling data graveyards. So a lot of effort spent collecting data and a lot of data that might be useful, but that nobody used. Because there was no clear idea of why the data was being collected or how it should be used. So unnecessary data and too much data uh, was collected. And also reversely, some data that would have been very important for making management decisions wasn't collected at all because, for example, it wasn't easy to collect. No tool did that automatically. Or nobody has thought about it. They also saw that collected data was used properly. Uh, it was used in ways that made people uh, uh, poorly motivated for providing, either providing data at all, or providing reliable, uh, honest data. They also noticed that the idea, which was where software metrics as a field, when it started, the idea was let's provide a short list of metrics that everybody should use. They found that now, it turned out that it really didn't work due to the different context and different goals and needs for measurements in various organizations. And also, uh, the metrics, uh, the usefulness and how, how to apply them cannot be judged out of context, so the context for measurements was still very important. So they come to the conclusion that metrics have to be chosen, customized, and used according to the purpose, what is the need, the idea for the measurement, what is the viewpoint, that is, the stakeholders, for whom are we measuring? For the coders, for the project manager, for top management, for the customer? What is the viewpoint, the perspective to the data? And what is the environment, the project technical environment, and so on, that we are measuring? And what came out of that was something called the GQM. G stands for goal, Q stands for question, and N stands for metric. Is the goal question metric approach. And it's 
Somebody, some people like to put it very blunt to say it's more a brainstorming methodology than anything else. Uh, let's say that it's perhaps not a method, it's an approach that contains a set of templates, guidelines, and some tools that can help the plan and execute flow-driven measurement programs. And it's a participatory approach, meaning that you include the people who will be measured in the development of the measurement system. Uh, and you start typically by high-level those that you, uh, uh, from which you work your way down into the actual metrics. And it also documents the process so you can understand how you ended up with the metrics. If somebody later would ask you why are you measuring uh, code or productivity this way, you would have everything documented. So you can explain what was your reasoning behind measuring it that way, which can be very valuable in organizations where people change and so on, and you might need to re-evaluate whether a certain metric way of measuring things is good anymore. So then you have it all documented, so you can go back and see what was the, the hypothesis, the idea, your understanding when you uh, derive that measure. And also, it builds something called a GQM tree that we will see that also facilitates this. We have it all documented, understanding how to interpret the current the data. And it also considers the context environment and the environment of the measurement. So it all starts with you actually understanding your business goals. Takes the view that uh, you need to understand your business goals and your need for improvement. Then based on that, you develop measurement goals. What are the goals for your actual uh, measurement program? Then you create a measurement plan. Now, the DQM essentially focuses on the two last ones here. First of all, how to define your measurement goals. That is the main part of the DQM. And then it also helps you say that based upon your measurement goals, you create a separate uh, measurement plan that actually talks about the detailed implementation of the metrics. You involve the stakeholders, collect and present data, then have feedback sessions. You get feedback from stakeholders and you also improve measurements. So measurement is also a process that of course can be measured and improved. And round you go. So in a way we can use this as very typical measurement based quality improvement uh, paradigm way of, of doing uh, normal quality management. So, from a high-level viewpoint, the GQM process uh, starts here to the top right with a pre-study to try to understand the organization, the context, and so on, business goals. Then you identify the GQM goals, the high-level measurement goals, and you develop a GQM plan, which we'll look at shortly. Then you develop a detailed measurement plan saying, how will the data be collected? Who will collect it? When? How? How will the data be analyzed? And so on. We won't be going into the details of that during this lecture. Uh, then you, you take it into use. You collect, validate, analyze, and interpret the data. That is, when you use the actual measurement system. Uh, and if it's a project, then you analyze and interpret the data also after the project in which you use it. And then you package the results. So if you have a similar project, for example, coming up later, that could use similar measures, then it can use the same DQM plan uh, to help that. And this is, of course, a very important point to as long, uh, uh, as much as possible in similar projects, 
I'm not defining what similar issues you need to do that yourself. But in similar projects, it's a good idea to use the same measures, if at all possible, for the reasons of making good decisions and making benchmarking possible. If every project measures things in different ways, we have a situation in which we really can't compare projects. So as long as far as possible, we should try to, at least at the level of project class, if we do similar projects, uh, a lot to use the same uh, measures. Okay. So what does TQM say about uh, goals? The, a, a measurement goal, according to the GQM, uh, has five dimensions. The object, purpose, quality, focus, viewpoint, and context. And we need to define all of these for, for each uh, measurement goal. So the first one is one we discussed already. It's a very, very high level view. First of all, what are we going to measure? Are we going to measure a software product? Are we going to measure a process? Or are we going to measure some resource? It can be a computer, a team of people, an organization, or even an individual. Then we have the purpose. Why do we want to measure Casper? To characterize him? To monitor him? To evaluate him, to predict what he'll do, or to even change him. That's the main goal of our life, I guess. So we can have many reasons for measuring. And those the reasons for measuring can lead to different metrics, different things that we want to measure. So that's why we also state purpose. Very often when we start in a new organization, uh, we start with characterization because we know so little. So we just want to get an understanding, a basic understanding of, for example, a software product or a, a process or a project. Or we want to monitor a project. Then we have the quality focus, which actually is the attributes the, or attributes we're interested in. So what are the properties attributes that we are interested in? Cost, reliability, efficiency, flexibility, maintainability, police defenders, more or less. But we'll say, what, what are we measuring? Why are we measuring it? What aspect of the object are we measuring? Uh, and the viewpoint that is for, from the viewpoint of you is for the project manager, for the individual developer, for our, our nice but a bit, perhaps a bit simple high top level manager, or for whom? Because that in particular reflects on how aggregated the data we need and also another very important factor, of course, is typically the higher up in the hierarchy we go, the less frequent updates. So top-level management typically wants uh, quarterly or monthly reports, whereas individual coders uh, are interested in getting feedback based upon measurement data, even at second or minute level, for example, do the test cases run? How many of my test cases run? I don't need that report four times a year. That's not very helpful if I'm coding. I need it at a much quicker rate. So the viewpoint has lots of influence on that actual data collection. And then we have the context. In which environment? What is the organization, project, application, and so on? Again, the technical context uh, defines a lot about, for example, product measures, what we can measure, what is interesting to measure, and how it should be measured. And as does the organizational context. 
So we start in the GQM by defining our measurement goals, by defining using this kind of goal template for the most important things that we want to measure. And then we go into the black magic of GQM. The black magic is that then without uh, further ado, we are supposed to, based upon those well-defined goals, we will start asking quantitative questions derived that are derived. You can clearly see the R there in my first bullet. Uh, or you can take off that, whatever. Take that. So we, and then we define measures to answer the questions. And then we do, based upon that, we do a GQM plan. I will show you an example. It makes it much easier to understand. And we do the GQM plan, which specifies all the goals for each goal, the questions that we ask related to that goal, and then finally the metrics, the things we are actually going to measure to be able to answer the questions uh, in order to see whether we are uh, reaching the goal. So the GQM plan then contains the GQM tree. And based upon then the lowest level, the measurement level, we can do a measurement plan that then defines who, when, who does the measurement, how do we interpret, how do we give feedback to the organization being measured. And the development of the GQM plan uh, is typically used by uh, doing a set of interviews. And for that, uh, something called an abstraction sheet has been developed. Here you can see an abstraction sheet for one goal. Uh, if we start from the top left, uh, we first have the object of study. What are we interested in? So here we are interested in, in evaluating the effectiveness of unit tests from the viewpoint of testers. So testers are interested in whether the unit tests we are doing are effective or not. And we have been asked to measure that. And the context is company X and we have project Y. And then, uh, so that has been defined as the overall uh, goal. And then we have the quality focus. That are the particular aspects that we are interested in measuring. So let's first look at the quality focus. Uh, we are interested in uh, the number of the detected failures, proportion of critical uh, or, or, or uncritical failures, Number of detected faults, distributed or faults across fault classes. So these are things that people come up with. See, these are the things that we should look at to understand whether uh, unit tests are actually doing well. So you start talking to people and discuss what are uh, the things that we should measure, measure to understand. Then you list those under quality focus. Then let's go down to the left. Then you have a baseline hypothesis. This can be very interesting. The baseline hypothesis basically says, okay, we know that we don't know, but what is our consensus? How well do we think we are doing uh, with respect to the quality focus measures, the things we are interested in? So then you would say that the number of detected failures, say we have 30, we have a 10 proportion, 10, 90, of critical, non-critical, and so on. So you just say, you get the organization's understanding of how they are doing. And then you start thinking. So this is essentially also modeling uh, the mental models 
or people in your organization. Uh, this actually was initially developed at GQM to help build scientific experiments, but it has been found useful uh, to do this, also look at variation factors or variation hypotheses in real organizations. So then you say, well, variation factors, what are the things uh, that can change the effectiveness of our unit tests? We are interested in understanding how effective they are. What are the things that may influence this? And then we have some variation factors that we have gotten out from talking to testers who do uh, testing and unit testing. And we got come up with variation factors like quality of test cases. The better test cases we have, the more effective the unit tests are, and so on. And we have other here, test method use, test conformance, experience of testers with the tools they use, understandability of the requirements. Again, of course, here is the reason is the more understandable the requirements are, the better unit tests we are uh, able to build, the more effective unit tests are in uh, finding bugs and understandability of the source code. So these are things that our organization, people, coders, developers, uh, sorry, testers, have considered uh, important to, to look at to understand uh, uh, the effect on, on quality focus. And then we also uh, document a variation hypothesis. So we have here the higher the quality of the test cases, the more failures are detected, and so on. So for each variation factor, we say, how do we think this factor affects uh, the outcome? So this is uh, a way that we work uh, with GQM. When we have our main goal, we go to the organization, we start asking questions. Oh, okay. And then, actually, what is the main outcome? Let's go back here. Uh, is the actual quality focus that will help us. Using this sheet, we will then help help us build the and variation hypothesis. We will help build a GQM tree. And now I see that, of course, this example isn't from that abstraction sheet. I'm sorry for that. I will try to uh, post a slide with the uh, GQM tree for that abstraction sheet here. This is another one. Uh, but then what you end up with in your GQM plan is something called a GQM tree. And then it says that from one go, uh, yeah, you develop several questions. And these, uh, quest by answering these, getting quantitative measures to these questions, it will help you understand whether you are, uh, whether you are, uh, meeting your goal. So here we have a goal saying that your goal is to analyze the product change process in order to evaluate it with respect to effectiveness from the viewpoint of the group manager team manager in the context of the development of product X. And then we are interested in how effective the uh, product change process is. Then we start asking questions. So what is the current processing speed of product changes? How many product changes have, are, are processed? And how many cost reduction product changes are processed? And then based upon these, we can define metrics. And now this again uh, is one weak point in GQM is that the relationship between the abstraction sheet and the GQM tree isn't very explicit. Uh, and also, one issue that I often run into is it feels a bit constrained to have one level of questions only. It's very easy to find, to start by asking a high level question that you would derive into lower level questions for which you can derive measures. However, the GQM says that you have one level of questions. So it's an approach. 
uh, it's not a scientific or repeatable method. It's one way of starting to make explicit your understanding and thinking of complex software engineering issues. And to my point, viewpoint, I think the goal template is very useful and the abstraction sheet is very, very useful because you get out from the organization what they think about it. And then uh, if we look at performance measurement in other fields, typically we, most of that performance measurement literature contains um, uh, objective or goal-based measurement, but they skip the level of questions. So if you are familiar with high-level measurement systems like the balance scorecard, for example, which is very popular in management, uh, or at least was, uh, it has goals and it has metrics, and it is out the, the question level. Uh, I have no way of telling you whether that is better or worse. Can you do GQM and call it GM? Probably you can. What is the additional value of the questions? The GQM people claim that the fact that you document those questions make it easier for you to understand the actual reasoning behind the measures that you have. And I think that's fair. But the main idea that I want you to take home here is the need to do goal-based measurements, to understand what you need to measure based upon your business goals and use that as the starting point for uh, defining your measures. And that can be done, the GQM can be used at any and all levels in the organization. You can use it for deeper things like unit tests. You can use it for high levels like uh, productivity of software development because it only says that you need to make explicit your current thinking of that and use that understanding as a basis for the measures that you intend to make. And here you can see then at the lowest level we have metrics like average lead time or product changes. The next thing we would do now would be to develop a measurement plan. And it would say, okay, to, me, to, me, to measure average lead time or product changes, we define lead time this way. We average it this way. We take the measures this often. It's done in this way by these people. So then we operationalize it to a very detailed level, how exactly that measurement will be taken and by whom, how often, when, how will the data be stored, processed, and so on. So there are lots of details, uh, and we'll go into the measurement plan. A question that very often comes up is, well, you know, this looks good and we should measure, but it's too expensive, can't do it. You know, doing the TQM talking to all those people, uh, nah, can't afford that. We know anyway how good we are, more or less. Let's not with an extra effort in the mission. So uh, here's a study uh, done in 2001 on, on several uh, GQM uh, implementations looking at what are the costs of doing uh, a GQM exercise. Uh, here is uh, the numbers here uh, are hours. How many hours were spent by the GQM team managers, senior engineers, or 10 engineers in total to develop a GQM for the first time? Uh, with a new set of people. And the total here, uh, including feedback sessions, uh, included 512 hours. So you can calculate a cost to that if you want. So measurement, there are some studies of measurement costs that say when you have developed the measurement program, it comes to between 1 and 5% of project, project cost overall. 
So it's not that high. Uh, but there is a cost to it. There's a cost to data collection. That is also, of course, if you look here at the numbers, you can see the data collection uh, takes 40 hours. It's not as much as many people thought. Uh, interviews actually, when defining uh, the uh, GGM, the measurement system, took more time than the actual data collection. And then the data analysis, uh, if it's not automated, which it wasn't in this case, it also required some time. But you can see that the numbers here are fairly reasonable, in particular if we have a decent-sized project. Okay. I will just mention uh, some other uh, useful. There's something called practical software measurements. These are things that uh, you just need to know they exist. You can Google them. You will find all information on these for free on the net. Practical software measurements is one thing uh, uh, that can be useful, and the one I like even more, you can go to the Software Engineering Institute site and go to uh, their guidebook on SIMA, uh, the Software Engineering and Measurement Analysis Program. Uh, it's a very useful practical guidebook that also uh, both explains how you can and contains forms and templates for defining measures uh, and indicators, the actual visualizations for the measures. And uh, the Software Engineering Institute also have developed some fairly decent operationalizations, ways of calculating certain metrics like productivity uh, and, and effort and so on that can be uh, standardized fairly well. So it's very useful if you start developing software measurement systems or think about it in your organization. I would recommend that you take a look at the SEMA guidebook. Uh, it's written for uh, industrial audiences. It's not a theoretical treatise. It's a practical guidebook for how you can actually go about implementing measurements in your organization. So, and it's actually not even very loosely. It's quite much based upon the GTM, so uh, uh, it's also goal-based and very useful. Okay, we have a few minutes left. Let me just say, first of all, that there are lots of tools for software measurements, and many IDEs also uh, collect data. Uh, VTT in Finland developed something called Metriflame that you can find. It's fairly old. And then uh, here are some other ones that you might be uh, interested in if you want to uh, have measurement support for at the organizational level. Data drill, psychometrics, and PSL insights. You will also find uh, Process Dashboard, I think. It's a fairly well-known open source system that you might want to look at that can help you collect and visualize uh, visualize uh, software engineering uh, metrics. And to summarize, there are inherent problems in measuring, measuring software engineering related both to aspects of the product, which is intangible, uh, and it's difficult to understand certain attributes like product complexity, uh, for example, on, or even product size. Lines of code is a notoriously bad measure for product size. Unfortunately, we don't have time now to discuss that, but if you come to our more advanced courses, we'll do that. Uh, but it still can and should be measured, at least at a high level. It's useful to start measuring not by getting a tool, but by taking a goal-oriented approach, trying to understand what you want to achieve by measurements, 
and tailor the measures to your own needs. Uh, time measurement to your strategic goals. But it's only one tool for process improvement, but it's crucial for making sound decisions and for understanding what happens. And used correctly, it's an extremely uh, effective way of changing the behavior of people in your organization. Because people respond very, very quickly to measures, in particular if they are actively used. For example, displayed. We can have here Casper, Dan, Tim. Makes me feel good every day when I come to work. And then I have Bill at 12, and then I feel less good. So, uh, and this is something that has been used also in manufacturing. Uh, for, for many years, you can have, you have big displays, for example, related to quality. The same things apply in software engineering. So it can be a very, very effective mechanism used correctly to help improve the software development. And you also need to understand that measurement development and measurements also are processes that can be both measured and improved themselves. Uh, are there any questions related to software measurement or anything else? Okay, if not, then I'll see you all next week. Uh, on Wednesday, we will be talking about global software development. And on Vapu, we will not be drinking Sima in the morning. We will be talking about the final exam and the midterm before having SIMA. All right. So see you all. Thanks for today.